Good morning. It's good to see you here this morning. Uh, thank you for being with us. For those of you that have kids at kids camp, uh, I bring special word to you that they are well and happy, maybe not rested, uh, but they are doing well. For those of you that don't know, I had the opportunity to take the kids over to kids camp yesterday. It's at Walkaway Springs. It's a little bit the other side of Laurel, about two hours from here. And uh, thankful for the opportunity to come back and preach this morning, and then I'll be leaving to head back and spend the rest of the day with them. But they had a good first day, and uh, they were well on their way this morning to having a good second day as well. Uh, if you would, turn with me this morning to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. As I was driving over from Walkaway Springs this morning, I said, well, let me pull up. Maybe I can listen to uh, a sermon on the radio while I'm driving over. So I pulled up and I turned it, uh, I was scanning through the stations and I heard a voice that I recognized as Alistair Begg. Some of you know Brother Alistair Begg and listen to him and I, I enjoy his preaching. So let's see what he's preaching. Well, he happened to be preaching the exact same text that I'm preaching today. Um, differently, a much better accent, I must say. Um, and the other thing is, he only got through half of the sermon. And then it said, if you've enjoyed this sermon, please send, you know, support, truth for life, and tune in next week to hear the rest of the sermon. So I considered doing that this morning. I don't know that any of you would be mad if I cut the sermon in half, but if you want to hear uh, the second part, jokes aside, the second part of how Brother Alistair Begg saw this text, if you listen to Truth for Life next week, It'll be on the radio, and so you have that opportunity if you'd like to. But this morning, as we look in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we're looking at spiritual gifts. It's the, the main idea, the main topic that Paul is teaching about here. Again, you have to remember, he's writing to the church at Corinth, so this isn't just some uh, expose that he's laying out about spiritual gifts. He's writing directly to a church that he knows well that obviously was having some issue in understanding spiritual gifts. So he's trying to answer some questions for them. He's trying to lay a foundation of understanding spiritual gifts. So if you're not really in-depthly understanding, if you haven't spent much time studying spiritual gifts, this may be a good entry point for us this morning as we see Paul teaching here about it. This morning we're really going to see two things about them. We're going to see, number one, the source of spiritual gifts. And then number two, we're going to see the purpose of spiritual gifts. So the source of spiritual gifts and then the purpose of spiritual gifts. So look with me. We're going to begin this morning by reading the entire text and then we'll look at it together. Beginning in verse 1 of 1 Corinthians 12, Paul says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. And there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. 
to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as He wills. Let's pray together before we look at this text. Father God, thank you for the opportunity to be back with the church family that you have put us with. Father, thank you for the opportunity that we had to be on vacation and to pull away from life as normal and focus on one another. Father, thank you for Brother John that came to preach last week and shared faithfully from your word. Father, thank you for the youth and what they were able to do at camp this week for the opportunity that I had yesterday and will have later today, I trust in your will, to spend time with our kids, getting to know them more. Father, getting to see them joyfully and excitedly, jumping around in praise to you, singing songs to you, studying your word together. Father, I pray now, though, that while we are here gathered together corporately, looking at your word, that none of those things would be distracting to us, Lord, that neither last week nor the week to come would be things that would encapture our mind. Lord, we would be completely focused on what you've called us to do here together, that we would be worshiping you as a body. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so let's kind of start at the beginning here, because Paul begins in verse 1 and says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. So let's kind of start there and lay just make sure that we're all on the same page about spiritual gifts. Whenever Paul says here, spiritual gifts, whenever he says in verse 7, manifestations of the Spirit, what is he talking about? Now, he is not talking here about the fruit of the Spirit. Some of you know the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, one time I was at a kid's type thing, a student thing, and there was a song about the fruits of the Spirit. And I'm not going to sing the song for you this morning, but that's how I memorized the fruits of the Spirit. So many of you know the fruits of the Spirit and can name them. Those are things that all believers should have. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. We should all have those things, we should all have all of those things because they are fruit that come from having the Holy Spirit in you. That's not what Paul's talking about here. Because what we see in this text is that these gifts are things that you may have some of them and you may have some of them and I may have some of them, but none of us have all of them and there are none of them that we all have. So these are things that are specific for each Christian. So there are gifts that you have that other Christians in this room may not have. They're not unique to you in the sense that no other Christians have them, but to the extent that God has chosen the ones that He wants you to have. So these are giftings, these are abilities that God has given to you through the Holy Spirit. And so that's what we're talking about whenever we talk about it. He names some here. Uh, in this text, in verses 8, 9, and 10, he names utterance of wisdom, utterance of knowledge, faith, gifts of healing, working of miracles, prophecy, the ability to distinguish between spirits and interpretation of tongues. There are other lists in Scripture. Paul lays out in Romans 12 a pretty lengthy list as well where he adds some other things like, like giving uh, and service 
And he names a few others there. We see in some other lists, administration. And so I don't think that these are meant to be exhaustive lists. Let me go ahead and say that. I don't believe that, that anywhere in Scripture do we find all of the spiritual gifts. It's not what Paul's trying to do here. He's not trying to list out all of the possible gifts that you can have. What he's trying to do is tell us the source of spiritual gifts and the purpose of spiritual gifts. I believe that's what he's doing. So let me go ahead and give you what I would call the thesis statement for this text. Here's the foundation of this text. That there is only one God and he distributes all gifts. So anybody has a spiritual gift, they all come from one God. Therefore, anybody that has a gift should joyfully use it the way God intends for them to. So that's what we have here. There's one God, and He gives all the gifts. So if you have a gift, you should use it for that one God. Joyfully use it for that one God. Verses 1 through 3 are an introductory text. Verse 3 is quite difficult to understand, and pastors and scholars go back and forth on exactly what the meaning of it is and exactly how we understand each of those statements, uh, Jesus is accursed and Jesus is Lord coming from the Spirit or not from the Spirit. But rest assured to this, that what we're seeing here is this teaching that when people have the Holy Spirit, that they are going to worship and exalt God, that they are going to serve God. And then in verses 4, 5, and 6, I think he really lays this foundational work that there is one God. Look at those verses with me. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. And then as you go through the text, you continue to see that, don't you? You continue to see uh, in verse 8, For to one is given... Through the Spirit, the utterance of wisdom. And to another, the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. And then verse 9 at the end, by the one Spirit. Right? We see this over and over. Verse 11. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit. So he makes this as abundantly and overly clear, like to that point where you say, okay, we get it. We understand. Verse 4, the same Spirit. Verse 5, the same Lord. Verse 6, the same God. Verse 11, all these gifts are empowered by one and the same Spirit. We see what you're saying, but the question would be, why is Paul laying down a Trinitarian theology? Right? That's what we see here in essence. This is Trinitarian theology, that there is the Spirit and there's the Lord who Jesus is Lord. He's already said that in verse 3. So we have the Spirit and we have Jesus and then the same God. So we see in verses 4, 5, and 6, the Holy Spirit and Jesus the Son and God the Father. And he's saying they are all the same. And we understand that truth. We understand that there is only one God. But why is Paul... In a text where he's teaching about spiritual gifts, spending so much time laying out a clear, abundantly clear Trinitarian theology that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are one. Well, I think the reason, my understanding of the reason is because he's trying to show us that if you have a gift, if you have a spiritual ability then these things have all come from one source. 
And that's a very important thing for us to understand today. It's a very important foundation. Now, it's, it's easy when we talk about spiritual gifts to get excited. If you know what you're, if you feel like you know what some of your strongest spiritual gifts is, it's easy for us to want to talk about that. Or it's easy for us to talk about some people, as soon as I mention spiritual gifts, the first thing they say, hey, Brother Zach, do you fill out those surveys? They have, you can go online and there are different websites that have come up with surveys and things that you can fill out. And it's almost like an Enneagram test. You go through there and answer this way and answer this way. And at the end, it tells you what your spiritual gift is. I will not say that those are completely biblical. But I won't say that they're completely useless either. They can be helpful to help us see some things about ourselves. I think possibly a better way to find out about your spiritual gift is to ask people around you. Ask your husband or wife. Ask your children. Ask your best friend that's a Christian. Ask your pastor. I believe that people that are around us can see in us the gifts that God has given us, the abilities that God has given us. But it's easy to get real excited about all these things. But, but Paul, when he starts talking about it, he gets really excited about this. Where do those gifts come from? He says they come from God. Because sometimes I think we get so interested in the ability. What can I do that not everybody else can do that we forget that they're called spiritual gifts for a reason? Brothers and sisters, these are things that God has given to us. Some people loathe their spiritual gift. Some people say, listen, I'm good at teaching, but I don't like teaching. Some people say, listen, I'm good at working with kids, but I don't want to work with kids. I want to be the teacher. I want to be the one standing in front of the class. Some say, listen, I'm really good at hospitality. I'm really good at this, but that's not what I want to do. Brothers and sisters, these are not things to loathe. These are gifts. Gifts that come from God himself through the Holy Spirit. God has given us these abilities so we should be excited about them. We should be joyful that He has chosen to give us these abilities and these gifts. And at the same time, we recognize that if these come from God, then they should be used for God's purpose every single time. When we use our giftedness, we should be using it the way that God intends for us to use it. Now, doesn't that make sense what Paul has laid down here? Let's just stop for a moment, step back and see, do we all agree that what he's saying here is if there's only one source for gifts, then everybody should be using their gifts the way that God wants them to. If every gift comes from God, we should all use them the same. Think about it on the opposite. If there were lots of different gods, then wouldn't there be lots of different reasons that people would use gifts? If there were this, the agenda of this God and the agenda of this God and the competing agenda of this God, then we would expect to see people leading, which is a spiritual gift, leading in different directions. And we would expect to see people giving for different things. We would expect to see people teaching about all kinds of different doctrines and theologies if there were more than one God who gave spiritual gifts. But there's not. Since there's only one, even though there are lots of different gifts and they're given to lots of different people from lots of different places, they should all be used toward one specific goal. I think of it much like a football team. If you have quarterbacks and wide receivers and linemen and 
linebackers and we go so on and forth. You have all these different people with, with different skill sets. And when they're on the field, they have a different purpose. And they're doing different things. You would think, well, if these guys are able to do this and these guys are able to do this and these are different positions, then they're probably working toward different goals. But that's not how it works, is it? Although there are different people with different abilities and different skill sets, they are all on one team and they are all led by one coach and so they all end up having one specific goal. Do they not? Is the goal not to win the game? Right. So it doesn't matter what position you have or what skill set you have. You are using it for the good of the team as the coach directs you to. In the same way, that's what we see about Christians. We all have different gifts given by one God for one purpose. So point one we have there, there's only one God, so all spiritual gifts should be used for His purpose. If you have a spiritual gift, you should be using it for God's purpose. So that's why I believe that Paul lays down this strong Trinitarian theology, that there's only one God, because he wants to be clear that since there's only one God, there's only one source, so there should be one purpose, His purpose. So the other question we need to see, we see the source of spiritual gifts, that's God, what is the purpose? Look back at the text. Only one verse to understand this. Verse 7, 1 Corinthians 12, 7. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Now what is Paul talking about? Again, you have to remember, he's writing to the church at Corinth. This is a church that has a lot of disunity. We've seen that all throughout the book. We have seen people that have been selfish. We have seen people that have been sinful. We've seen people that have been segregated. But over and over, he's calling them to do things together, to do things for one another, right? We saw church discipline. that They were looking out for sin in each other's lives for the good of one another. We saw that whenever they celebrated the Lord's Supper, that they were supposed to come not as individuals, but as a body, that they were celebrating together. When we do the Lord's Supper, we are celebrating together the gift of salvation that we have through Christ. And now here he's saying, if you have a spiritual gift, it's not given to you so that you can go profit in the business world. It's not why God gave you that gift. He did not give it to you so that you could use it at home. Maybe you have this ability, uh, maybe you have an ability uh, of music that God has given to you. And you say, listen, I don't want to use my ability to sing or my ability to play or my ability to whatever, to compose music or whatever. I, I don't want to use that in the church. I just like to use that at the house for me and my family. Well, the thing is, if that's how you do it, you're doing it wrong. That's what Paul says here. Why has he given people the ability to teach and the ability to lead and the ability to administrate and the ability to give? These are from Romans 12, why has why is he given people all of these different abilities? He says it right here. Here is the purpose for the common good, for one another. He has given the church all of the things that we need through the spiritual giftings that he's given to us. So point two, spiritual gifts are for the good of the body. They all come from one source, God. They're given for one purpose so that the church will have all that it needs to do, that all that God has called us to. And he continues to lay this down. If you read through the rest of chapter 12, and we're not going to see all of it today, but he, he immediately goes into this picture that 
the church is like a body, right? It has different parts, fingers and eyes and ears, but it needs all of them. And then we'll see next week in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the love chapter, as we call it. And it's read at weddings all the time, but we're going to see next week that this idea of, of loving one another and using spiritual gifts in love isn't for a husband and wife, but it's for a church. And so this idea that we see here, the clear main point to this text, as best as I can possibly tell, is that there's only one God who gives every spiritual gift that's ever been given. And so they should all be used the way that God calls us to. And how does he call us to use them for the good of the church? Now, I want to finish with just a couple of quick application points of this. How do we apply that? So I understand there's one God. I understand I should use the gifts for the common good of the church. What does this mean for me personally? How does this change me as I walk out of here today? Well, I think the first thing is that you have a gift. I want you to hear that this morning. Because sometimes some of us think we don't. Because we may pay more attention to people that have the ability to teach, right? So they sit at the front of the Sunday school class or they stand up here. So those are the ones that we pay more attention to. Maybe people that have the ability to lead or administrate. So they're the, the heads of the committees at the church. And so we pay more attention and we say, well, if that's not me, then I'm not really needed. But that's not what the scripture says. The scripture says that to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit that we all have some sort of gift, and that they're all given for the good of the body. So what we understand, brothers and sisters, is this, that you have a gift. Whether you've thought about it, whether you've realized it or not, you have a gift that God has given to you. And He's given it to you so that the church would have all that it needs. So if you are not using your gifts and abilities in some way here at the church, then I believe that the church is lacking. I don't believe that you're here by chance. I believe that the Lord has placed us as members of this body so that we would have everything that we need in order to create disciples, in order to equip the saints for the work of ministry, in order to love our neighbors, in order to be salt and light, in order to fulfill the great commission and the great commandment. To do these things, I believe that the Lord has given us all that we need through the Spirit in the members. And so you have a gift. And I pray that you'll use it. Millard Erickson in his systematic theology book, I think, makes this very, very clear. I want to give you two points from it. The first one, he says, The gifts are bestowed on the body, the church. They are for the edification of the whole body, not merely for the enjoyment or enrichment of the individual members possessing them. No one person has all the gifts nor is any one of the gifts bestowed on all persons. Consequently, the individual members of the church need each other. And when I read that last part, I said, I've got to give this to them because I couldn't say it better myself. Brothers and sisters, that's what Paul's saying in verse 7. I need you, and you need me, and you all need one another. In order to be able to do the things that God has called us as a church to do, we all need one another. So God has given you a gift, and I pray that if you are not serving the body in some way, that you would seek to do that. Maybe it's not teaching, maybe it's not singing, maybe it's not leading. But brothers and sisters, I heard a conversation this morning on a podcast talking about spiritual gifts, and it was two, two pastors, and they, they said, 
when you're sitting in church on Sunday morning, just stop for just a moment and think about how many spiritual gifts have gone into what you have experienced in this worship service this morning. Going all the way back in Romans 12, it talks about contributions or giving as being a spiritual gift. So think about how many people have given money in order that we have this building that we can meet in. And think about how much time was spent this week choosing songs and practicing songs and preparing to do music in order that we could sing corporately, be led to sing the way that we were able to. And how much time was spent studying God's Word so that Sunday school teachers could share with you the lessons that they did today. How much money was given in order that I could have a full-time position here so that I could sit for hours in my office and study this text in order to be able to share this with you. Think about how many people opened doors and served you and how many people have are taking care of children right now so that your children are not tugging at your coat at this moment. Think about how many different spiritual gifts are being used so that we could worship the way that we are this morning. And brothers and sisters, there are more that could be used if we were all doing what the Lord has given us for His glory. So we are all gifted people. I pray that you're using your gift in a way that God's called you. The, the other thing that I want you to see is that whatever gift you have is the gift that God chose for you. We shouldn't ever loathe them. We shouldn't ever wish. We shouldn't be jealous of someone else's gifting because God has chosen this. Look with me at the last verse here, 1 Corinthians 12, 11. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as He wills. Brothers and sisters, you didn't choose your gift. God chose it for you. But God, who is infinitely more wise than you, chose exactly which gifts you would have. And I believe, if I'm being honest, that most of us have more than one. There may be some that God has given us more of a gifting at. I don't believe that teaching is my only spiritual gift. I can't lean on that and say, well, teaching is my only gift. I can't serve with the children. can't do that. You know, teaching is my only gift. I can't help hold door. I can't help clean. I can't know. I believe that God gives us many different spiritual gifts, different levels of them, but God gives us more than one. But whichever mix and match that you've been given, God chose that for you. He knows exactly who you are, and He knew exactly where you'd be, and He knew exactly what this church would need, and so He gave you just what we would need. Isn't that exciting? I'm excited. This is a great text to me. This is a joyful and exciting text. God thought about me and who I am and this body, and He wanted to give us all that we needed so that we could reach the world for His glory. That's so good. I want to read just a portion from the next text, and it's the last thing I'll do. But starting in verse 14 of chapter 12, it says, For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, Because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as He chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. And as I read verse 11, and as I read verse 18 says that the, the Spirit gives as He wills. 
Verse 18, it says that God gave as he chose. It reminds me, brothers and sisters, that not only has God chosen the gifts that he would give us, but God has chosen to make us his in the first place. We can go back even more than being thankful for the spiritual gifts that he's given us. We should be thankful for the gift of salvation. Because, brothers and sisters, if it weren't for his grace, none of us would be his children. None of us would be Christians. Verse 3 says, we may not know exactly all of the intricacies of verse 3, but it says, no one says Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. If God did not call us to himself, if God did not send his son to die for us, none of us would be saved. God has chosen us to be his. And then, after he has made us his through faith in his son Jesus Christ, he then has chosen to go even further and to give us gifts that we could use for his glory. And so we get to do that every day of our life. We can choose to use the giftings that God has given us to serve the body. And so I pray that you're doing that. This morning, if you're here and you don't really understand that first part, though, about salvation and being God's child, I pray that we would start there, that you would come and let me have a conversation with you. We'd find a time that that works well. We could talk about what it means to be God's child, what it means to say Jesus is Lord, what it means to be in the Holy Spirit. I would love to discuss that with you. But if you're there, let me just simply ask you this point of application. Are you serving the body? Or are you not? Because that's the intention that God had when he gave us these gifts. And if we are, I pray that we are joyfully doing it, that we are excited to do it, and that thankful that we get to do it. This morning, I'm going to invite you to stand. We're going to have a time of invitation, a time for you to respond to what we've talked about and discussed this morning. And so if you want to pray and ask God to help you understand what your gifting is, it be an appropriate time to do that. If you want to pray because you know some of the areas that you're gifted and you just haven't been using them, if you want to pray and repent, this would be a very appropriate time to do that. If you want somebody to pray with you, I'd love to pray with you. But if you just want to sing because you're excited and thankful that the Lord allows you to serve Him in a special way this morning. I invite you to do that too. But you respond to the Lord however He calls you to as Brother Shane leads us.